This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. Next week, the Alliance for the Arts will unveil a new exhibition of works by Southwest Florida artist Doug McGregor titled Whimsy and Wonder. McGregor is an artist, illustrator, cartoonist, author, and musician. He's been creating editorial cartoons for more than 45 years for newspapers and print publications throughout the U.S., For longtime Southwest Florida residents, McGregor's visual style serves as a much-loved comfort. He served as editorial cartoonist for the News Press in Fort Myers from 1988 through 2011 and currently draws weekly editorial cartoons for the Naples Press. In addition, McGregor has published children's books, including his most recent Tortellini's Amazing Sky High Adventures and Rad Hair Day. His artistic talents also stretch into the world of music. He plays harmonica and sings with the Southwest Florida-based classic rock band The Rosada Project, which is open for many national performing artists across the region. And tomorrow, October 27th, will mark Doug's last day serving as coordinator of the arts and healthcare program through Lee Health, a role he's held for 12 years, bringing art, music, and the expressive arts to healing patients, families, and the disabled art community. The new Whimsy and Wonder exhibition opens November 3rd with an opening reception from 5 to 7 p.m. That's free and open to the public. The show itself includes some interactive elements. And in addition, during that opening reception, Doug will host a show-and-tell presentation in the Folds Theater at the Alliance for the Arts. Ahead of the exhibition opening, Doug McGregor joins us today in studio. Congratulations on the exhibition, and welcome back to Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition. It's good to be with you, John. Good to be with the listeners, too. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So first of all, Doug, tell me about the title. Why Whimsy and Wonder? Well, it's two parts of my brain that stay active all the time. You know, being a cartoonist, uh, the whimsy always has been part of my life. And Seeing the lighthearted views around Southwest Florida and the flora and the fauna that we all enjoy. I've been doing that for quite a while. But the political cartoons, you know, that was a part of my life and still is. But I like to get away from that seriousness a lot. The, the lighthearted humor uh, is different than the satirical biting humor. And I, I particularly like to do that now. So there's the whimsy. And the wonder is just I've been fascinated with the celestial bodies of wonder out there in space. And the James Webb Telescope has brought us these wonderful new images, and I just got inspired by those. Do you consider yourself a a bit of an amateur astronomer or at least astronomy enthusiast? (laughs) Just an amateur observer into the night sky. I had a telescope as a young kid. It's it's not doing so well right now, and I don't have a new one. But I just love looking up into the sky at night and wondering which constellation it is and then seeing some of these images the Webb Telescope is bringing us. It's inspired me to do some painting. Yeah. I mean, if we can delve into that just a little sure. bit. Um, there's one there open to the page there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading the description of it, and, and it kind of surprised me because I was thinking of it more as like imagining almost an alien landscape. And, and you were kind of imagining more an Earth landscape, but maybe from another geologic time. Yeah. Th- this particular one is called The Ancient. But it was inspired, actually, from some of the album covers that I loved. Oh, okay. You know, so I'm I'm actually combining a few things in the show. I was inspired by Roger Dean's work, who did the Yes albums. 
You know, back in the day when we used to get an album, it used to fold out into a triple, and you used to stare at these wonderful images that these illustrators brought. And that's what I wanted to go to school for, actually, at Syracuse, was to be an illustrator for album covers. The oh. timing was wrong. Okay, <laughs> because, yeah. Because yeah. we went to cassettes and CDs not long after. So the albums were different in shape and size back then because they got smaller. But this particular piece was inspired by some of the S album covers that I saw as a kid, and I wanted to do my own version. Tell me about some of your other early influences when it comes to visual art. Oh, sure. I mean, the very earliest would have been Captain Kangaroo. I don't know if you remember those folks out there that remember that show. Remember Magic Drawing Board. That was something I couldn't believe that someone was actually drawing something magically like that. And, And I was only five, four years old. And then it just inspired me to draw my own. So that's when it really started. Dr. Seuss, Charles Schultz's Peanuts comic strip, I think, was one of my biggest influences. In fact, I got really good at drawing Snoopy on his doghouse when I was in second grade. And um, I was so proud of drawing it like almost perfectly. And then my second grade teacher said, wow, Doug, that's really cool. But there's only one problem. I go, what's that? She goes, well, Charles Schultz has got that gig. You're going to have to come up with your own cartoon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I started, you know, drawing my own style and that kind of thing. But that's that's when it started. Just a young, young kid watching the TV shows on Saturday morning and uh, some of the early comic strips. So you kind of always knew you wanted to be an artist. I think so. Yeah, my dad was a musician, a singer, a choir director. Wanted me, pushed me into the violin. Mm. You can appreciate that. So the string instrument I practiced and practiced, and my dad wasn't really uh, patient enough with me. So I started off slowly, and uh, thank goodness the art came out of my creative abilities and not so much the music, which I later took on in the band that I'm in now. When it comes to the pieces in this show, I'm kind of getting the impression that people who come to experience it, there's going to be a clear distinction between the wonder and the whimsy. Absolutely. They're going to be in two separate rooms, actually. When you know the Alliance, the first area will be all wonder. As you go further back, it'll be the whimsical, which includes the children's book art as well. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know if the word is surprised or maybe just impressed to see that some of what you'd included in Whimsy came out of the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Whimsy and Hurricane Ian are not necessarily no. words we usually put no. in the same sentence. Enough, enough time is starting to expire for us to, to think that the healing process is beginning. And we can look back and wonder what the animals went through. Some of the local animals like the alligators and the manatee, where do they all go? Well, the whimsical part of the show will explain some of that in a kind of a fun way. So, yeah, it was a very serious time. It still is. But the whimsical takes some of the local flora and fauna and brings it to life. Yeah, this is, I think, at least the second time you've brought up our subtropical flora and fauna in this mm-hmm. conversation. And I know that, like me, you are a, a transplant from the New yes. England area. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been here about 10 years longer than I have. Uh-huh. But I'm curious if you're the same way I am in that I just – it's not that I don't get used to it, but I never stop – being in awe of it. Like, I mean, yes. even just like palm tree, roseate spoonbills. I mean, when right. you come from just having like pigeons. Yes. To, no, <laughs> you know. no, there's some beautiful, wonderful uh, animals still here and their habitat's shrinking. So a lot of the cartoons I've done lately for the Naples press is showing the backyards and how smaller they're getting and how the encroachment of some of these animals are brought into the backyards of houses, of bears, of course, alligators all the time. So... 
you have to be careful, and we have to also give those animals enough room, and I don't think we have. So I think uh, we have to be cognizant of that fact, too. Yeah. I, I mean, doing editorial cartoons for as long as you have, you know, you've had a front row seat to just these this growing political divide that's become mm-hmm. so toxic to our culture. It is. And I'm wondering if that has made the job of doing editorial cartoons a bit more fraught. It is. It mm-hmm. is much. So I think that the humor I've changed in my approach for this show especially is to see the lightheartedness in life around us and to get away from that fractioning of, of our society because – it is. You you can't have a Thanksgiving dinner anymore with your family without yeah. coming into a fight of some sort. And families out there know this. So I just want to keep it lighthearted and and the wonder. When when you look at some of the work, I'm hoping the reaction is, Whoa, look at that or Wow, I never thought of that or you know, the whimsical stuff would be like, Well, isn't that funny? I hope it is for folks and that's the reaction I wanna get. Is there a significant distinction to how you approach creating visual art when, say, it's just you and your studio space versus your creative approach to creating an editorial cartoon for publication? Yeah, it's totally different things. Uh, Editorial cartoons would be reading a a local news item or national item and trying to get the big picture of what's going on there and to make a commentary of my own personal opinion of that. So you have to dig down into your... uh, psyche and say, okay, what what is your feeling on this and how are you going to express it? And Take a viewpoint and make sure it's got a satirical bite to it that tells a message. Now, in the artwork, the creative artwork, I will sit and lay in my pool and I'll look up into the clouds and I will see them morph and it'll turn into something else. I mean, the clouds always change patterns and make them look like animals. Sometimes they look like who knows what. But then it'll also spin into a, a creative... Um, I'll call it a zone. And and it just makes you think like, for instance, the children's book that I did on Morgan McKinney, that is called uh, The Bigger Than Life Bedtime Story. That started by looking at clouds and seeing them change. And I started thinking of a, a bounce house in the sky with these clouds and these characters from a zoo actually <laughs> travel up into the clouds and bounce around. And where did that come from? Just relaxing and letting your imagination and your creativity take off. Wow. So like, yeah. like introspective. You mm-hmm. you don't have to be thinking about the audience during the creative no. process. No, <laughs> no. Just let whatever brings itself to life in your imagination and just don't worry about it being sellable. It's more of a content of pleasure to just see what your mind can come up with. And for this Whimsy and Wonder exhibition, for those of us who bring our smartphones to the mm. exhibition, there's going to be some interactive elements incorporated. Tell me about that. Yeah, we're going to give it a try. We've got QR codes that we're going to put next to the bigger pieces. Some of these pieces are four by eight feet. So yeah, you know, when I'm painting nine individual canvases and placing them together, they all fit together from the start, of course. So where do I start? Do I start in the middle? Do I start on the right? What colors am I introducing? I do sketches. I do studies first to think about what the whole thing's going to look like. usually do that in pencil and sometimes in color. But then a time lapse, of course, getting the old phone out there and taking a picture after two hours, after four hours, after, you know, it took sometimes a month to finish one of these bigger pieces. So, Mm. okay, how long did it take? Not so much that, but, you know, watch it come to life. And the QR code in the video that you'll see when you do 
click, you know, and go there to the YouTube video, we'll show you how it evolved. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Right. It's kind of fun. I'm always fascinated with the creative process. I think people are usually. And that starts with Magic Drawing Board. Captain All right. Kangaroo. Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, well, well, as we've mentioned, you're also a passionate musician, mm -hmm. and that's extended into you serving as coordinator of Lee Health's Arts and Healthcare program for 12 years now. You'll have one day left on that job. You're retiring mm. from the leadership role. Tell me what's been involved in that work. Um, oh, it's wonderful. I mean, do yeah. you travel to Lee Health facilities all over the county? Well, I primarily touch on um, the work I do is three different hospitals. It's Lee Memorial. It's... Um, Health Park in Galisano, and I coordinate the volunteer work that uh, probably 25 to 30 volunteers do. And that ranges from taking an art card out to visit the patients in their rooms, both uh, kids and adults, working with disabled artists, showing their work on gallery walls and in all of the hospitals in Lee, and also uh, working with musicians in the atrium at Health Park and other places, but uh, we have an active number of volunteers that play live music. If you've ever been to Health Park, it feels like, well, you're not really in a hospital. You're in a beautiful atrium that almost looks like a hotel, and it's purposely done that way to make it feel like, wow, I'm hearing music and I'm also a patient. Well, that's part of the, the reason why we do it is the healing process, to hear music and, and make you feel distracted in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually worked there for mm. close to a decade, so I'm well acquainted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so is there a, was there a lot of involvement in that um, focus? Because you mentioned Golisano Children's mm -hmm. Hospital. Is there a big emphasis on working with kids who are in the hospital when it comes to the, the arts program there? Absolutely. Yeah, the kids are in their rooms, and we try to keep them away from their uh, iPads and their video games and uh, – do something more interactive with our volunteers, drawing, doing crafts, um, creating why uh, st we tell stories in the rooms. And that's the nice thing about not really, really retiring. I'll be volunteering there and get my, more of my time to story tell and draw some of the stories that kids come up with. So when I leave the room, they have something in their hands to take home when they do go home. It's like, you created this story, and now look at the picture that you made for us, which I drew and helped them create too. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's great. So the program isn't going anywhere. You're not oh, even going no. anywhere. You're just... Yeah. <laughs> we have a wonderful new coordinator. Her name is Julie Kren. She'll be starting in a couple of weeks, and uh, she's going to do a wonderful job and carry the torch. How has doing that work for the past decade plus impacted your perspective on creating your own art or just witnessing the therapeutic power that art and the act of creating can have? Oh, it's it's really powerful. Um, we see it every day with music and with art. People um, are really creative people in, in their own right. There's some people say, oh, I can't draw even a stick figure. Well, that's not necessarily true. They can come up with their own uh, images, and we can do doodling. We can do um, zentangles with them, something that they can relate to that takes them away from their pain. And that's the blessing that I've seen every day is, is seeing how people react and feel like they're not in the hospital. Even though they're in a hospital room, we try to leave them somewhere else in their own mind and their own imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're just joining the show, we're speaking with artist, illustrator, cartoonist, author, and musician Doug McGregor ahead of next week's opening of a new exhibition of his works at the Alliance for the Arts in Fort Myers titled Whimsy and Wonder. 
If you'd like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, again, you can find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media and on X, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. So when you're creating visual art, I'm trying to bring the music in. Is there typically music playing in the background? And can what you're listening to impact or be reflected in what comes out on the page or the canvas? Absolutely. No, I I mentioned Yes before. That's one of my earliest influences for music is hearing their work, um, putting an album on. What I love about the vinyl experience is it's about 20 to 25 minutes per side. That's enough time to get into the painting, and then, you know, the record will tell me when to take a break. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. You know, if you put a CD on, it could go three hours straight. And I, I don't like to do that. I like to take a break. Mine needs a break. So um, I'll flip the record over and do the next side. Sometimes a triple album, so I'll do six sides. It just depends on how much time I want to spend and uh, get accomplished. you got to know when to take a break. That's the other thing is once you get in the zone, you don't even realize what time it is, which is fun. And how do you know when a piece is done? Ah, it's a good question. I'll look at it uh, and go, well, that area up there needs a little bit more defined work. I mean, this area over here, I really rendered it really well. And I go, well, you know, not so much on this side. I better get back and finish that make it more look like it's even all the way across. All right. And you also perform as a member of the Southwest Florida-based classic rock band, The Rosada Project. Tell me about the band. Oh, geez. We're in a little bit of a hiatus right now, but we're getting geared up for the season. And uh, I have wonderful friends that I've known for, oh, gosh, 10, 12 years now. And we play around town. We play 60s and 70s classic rock mostly. And uh, we've had the opportunity to play in smaller and bigger venues around town. And we just love watching people dance and Get in touch with uh, some of their earliest uh, influence of 60s and 70s music, which I think are some of the best songs I've ever written. I'm just biased to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the band's got a, a bit of an eclectic mix. You've got a, a flute player, your mm-hmm. vocals and harmonica. Um, tell me about how you came to embrace the harmonica coming from a— <laughs> Oh, that's an interesting story. Yeah, I, I um, get a little impatient on the road. Um, a little bit of, not, we'll say road rage, but at the same time, I, I'm from New York. I expect people to drive fairly fast. Well, that ain't going to happen down here. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought the harmonic in the car with me and at stop signs and not stop signs, but traffic lights that last three, four minutes, it seems I'd pick up the harmonic and play and, uh, then put it down when I started driving again. And it, it really helped me. It also played to the music at certain keys. You have to have certain harmonicas for certain keys. So I'd pre-record a bunch of uh, songs in a certain key and just play to them. And then if I wasn't in the car, of course, go home and practice, practice, practice. That's what it is. It's self-taught pretty much in the harmonica. Oh, all right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Ever ever caught folks noticing you at a red light? Oh, yeah. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, what's he doing? Well, at least he's not doing other things he shouldn't be doing (laughs) in the car, you know. But anyways, the the harmonica is, is relaxing, and I'm glad I was able to pick it up and play it. And if that wasn't enough, you've Mm -hmm. also written, illustrated, and published several children's books. Um, And and some of that is going to be reflected in the whimsy part of the exhibition, Uh, correct? Yeah. I'm fortunate enough to have some of my, or not not all, originals still. So it's nice to see how those pictures and those words were put together on the page. And so I'm going to explain that a little bit, too. And the books are available for sale there at the course of the Alliance. But 
I love drawing and coming up with my own stories. So being an illustrator and a writer at the same time is a nice combination for me. Yeah. See, the illustration part makes sense. That seems mm-hmm. like a natural extension of yeah. your professional work. But writing a children's book is an entirely different thing. It is. I, I'm fortunate that I, I love to write. I don't write every day like I should, but I had good instruction as a kid and I was fortunate enough to have great English teachers and be able to put words together in phrases. And, you know, that's part of uh, what an editorial cartoonist does is coming up with phrasing, using metaphors, uh, titles for the cartoons have to have a a fun, whimsical kind of way to them too as well. So it kind of flowed into writing the children's stories. And uh, the Turtleini series is about a turtle who's a inventor, since we've got Edison in the backyard here, and uh, he loves to go faster on water, and he masters that, and uh, he goes so fast on water, he comes out of his shell one day, and he finds himself on the front page of the newspaper breaking the water speed record, and there he is grabbing the newspaper at the end of the driveway, kind of all beat up, and he looks up in the sky, and he sees a seagull fly, and he goes, hmm, what would flight be like? So he goes back into his inventor's workshop, and he uh, invents a contraption to get him up into the air, which is the second book. All right. Yeah. What is it about children as an audience that that you, you seem to naturally gravitate towards? Because it's not just the books. You've, I know you've mm-hmm. also gone to schools and libraries, and, I mean, you just – you seem to have a natural connection and rapport with kids. Well, it's the inner child in myself. I never grew up really myself in a sense. You know, it's it's the kids are so um, non-judgmental. They love in, in imagination. And, you know, you take a piece of paper, a white blank piece of paper, give it to a three or four or five-year-old, and they'll draw and draw and draw and draw. And so I'm, I just love that fact that they can keep going. Then you might take a 17 or 18-year-old who who you just like – you give the same piece of paper to and they might go, well, what do you want me to draw? And I go, well, what what was the difference between you when you were five and six and now? And Well, there's a lot of things that happen during adolescence and that kind of thing and it's – part of it is being judged on how well you are don't, – don't draw well. Mm. And I think the younger kids just love to get that pencil or crayon in their hand and I, I watch that and I, I appreciate uh, – inspiration that they have just from a natural point of view. Is that something you personally struggled with? Mm. Well, I was fortunate enough to get art lessons as a kid. And so I was getting a little bit of help with perspective. And I had great art teachers. And my parents were wonderful in influencing me to do my best. And everything I drew was good. Well, that's necessarily a good thing to hear that all the time. But yeah, it encourages you to do more. Because you know, I have more kids tell you that they stopped drawing because somebody said it didn't look like this or it didn't look like that when they were finished. And that, that's, um, that's crushing in some ways to some kids' in inspiration. So I, I encourage them to be their best and, at a young age and don't give up and just always reach for their, their dreams when it comes to art. Right. Well, on art and creativity, I, I know you're going to be giving a show-and-tell style presentation at the Friday, November 3rd opening reception. Mm-hmm. What's going to be involved in that? Well, some slideshow information about my earliest influences. I'll play a little guitar. I love playing guitar just for fun. I'm not that great at it. I'm not a performer, but it does uh, make you feel relaxed when you play. And so I'll, I'll do some of that. I'll show um, some of my earliest uh, pieces of work and, and some of the music that was around the house when I was a kid with my dad and the choral music and then uh, 
finish it with a, a, a video that I think puts everything into what we call perspective of, of seeing and learning and the wonder and the whimsy. So. Right. Well, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with ahead of the opening of the Whimsy and Wonder exhibition next week? Yeah, you know, there's lots of different shapes in nature, and I, I'm just been cognizant about all, six in particular. Uh, I just love um, the patterns, the natural patterns of branching, and there's spirals, a lot of spirals in my work. There's a lot of concentric circles. There's a lot of radiant circles, waves, and even like honeycombs. And I just encourage people to look out into nature and see these things every day and appreciate. They not only come onto our own earth, natural patterns, but they... They are also in space. And so a lot of these same patterns I put into my wonder paintings out in the celestial bodies. All right. right. Well, that is about all the time we have for today's show. But I want to thank my guest. I've been speaking with artist, illustrator, author, cartoonist, and musician Doug McGregor. A new exhibition of his works titled Whimsy and Wonder opens next Friday at the Alliance for the Arts in Fort Myers and runs through November 25th. The November 3rd opening reception for the exhibition is free and open to the public from 5 to 7 p.m. And during that reception, Doug McGregor will present a show and tell in the Alliance's Folds Theater, including a talk on creativity and even some music performed by the artist himself. For more on the exhibition, visit artandlee.org. And for more about Doug McGregor, visit dougcreates.com. Doug McGregor, what a joy to get to reconnect with you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Thank you.